Welcome to Fortress of Faith with Tom Wallace, calling North America to repentance and revival. Well, welcome back once again to the Corner of Truth and Courage. You're listening to Fortress of Faith. This week we've been talking about unveiling Islam. And yes, Christians can talk about other religions. It's not hate. It's simply carrying out what the Bible tells us to do. We were warned that there would be false prophets, that there would be false teaching, and we have a right to defend the truth against false teaching. Jude tells us to uh, earnestly contend for the faith. We're told to mark those who preach false doctrine and call them out for it. And so that's what we're doing with Islam, and we need to be clear about this. And it's not hate. In fact, it's, it's an, an act of love. I mean, folks, if I'm in error, if I'm wrong, please don't leave me in error. I mean, if you love me, if you really truly care about me, don't leave me in error. If a friend or even someone we don't know is in error, the loving thing is to kindly, gently, persuasively explain and show them why what they believe is wrong and what the truth is. And so... To do that, especially when it comes to Islam, because it's a very, very foreign teaching, um, doctrine, religion to us here in the West, it's needful for us to have some understanding about it. And the more we look into it, the more alarmed we are. We also need to protect our freedoms and our faith. Islam has a violent history. Where do they get this from? Now, not all Muslims, we understand that not all Muslims follow the violent teachings that come from Islam. Thankfully, there, there's been an effort to try to reform the religion. And that reforming effort done largely um, you know, through the Ottoman Empire for 500 years, the last 500 years, pretty much the Islamic world has been under their control. The last caliphate, the caliphate, was under the control of the Turkish Ottoman Empire. And they modernized it, reformed it. But in doing so, they left the fundamental teachings of Islam. And when the Ottoman Empire came to an end, it gave the fundamentalists the opportunity to regain control of the Islamic world and return it back to its foundational teachings, back to Muhammad and the Quran and the Hadith and the Sharia. And in doing so, it becomes more and more violent. And you'll understand that in today's broadcast, where this violence comes from. So I hope you'll stay with us as we look into this. Before we do, let me quickly remind you, we're still in our fundraising campaign here for the summer, and our time is running shorter and shorter to raise our $10,000 goal. We're about at the halfway mark, so we've still got a long ways to go and about nine days to do it in. So would you please consider helping us with a one-time gift you can give safely, securely online at our website, fortressoffaith.com, or you can call and make a donation over the phone or give a check and give us a call to uh, get the address. We have an address in Canada. We do take uh, donations in any denomination, We even from Europe. We can take uh, your donation in your currency. Just go online and pick your currency and give your donation, and it will transfer into our account accordingly, and it will be no extra charge or fees to you. And uh, we appreciate your support to this uh, radio ministry. 
So to give us a call, the number is 800-616-0082. It's an easy number. Pretty much all you need to really remember is not the 800. Everyone knows that. That's the toll-free number. 616-0082. All right, well, let's get into it here. We started a little bit on this, the Sharia, yesterday, but we didn't finish it or really get far into it. And I want to, you know, expose some of the most damaging things about uh, Sharia and show you its violence, where this comes from. And the best place to do it is to go to the Sharia law book. It's called The Reliance of the Traveler. Now, we could show you verses out of the Quran. I could show you verses out of the Hadith. But naturally, the question would be, how do we know I'm not picking verses out of context? How do I know I'm not just simply, because let's face it, enemies of the Bible, they do that. They constantly quote passages of the Bible that, that need explaining. Well, that was given to the nation of Israel, was not given to Christianity for all Christians to carry out the dietary laws and some of the laws of purity and, and, and so on there and, and criminal laws and, and whatnot. And so, you know, I, but people could do that with Islam. So one of the reasons why I go to the Sharia law book, The Reliance of the Traveler, I am now quoting from you, uh, to you, from the highest sources of interpretation of Islam. The uh, Council of the Greatest Minds of Islam came together 700 years ago. There were different interpretations of what Muhammad said and what the Quran meant and, and so on there. So these people came together. And they hashed out their differences, and they found out that they actually agree three-fourths of the time. And they wrote one book to say, this is the consensus. We, despite our differences, we can all agree this is what Muhammad taught and what Allah, God, desires and how we're to live what he said and how we're to follow him. And here's the best way we can understand it. So they laid it out by different types of laws and rules, and they call it the reliance of the traveler. A Muslim and mankind were on a pilgrimage. And as we travel, as we pilgrimage uh, our way through this world, here's what we can rely on to understand what Allah and Muhammad, who was his prophet, explains for us how to live. So when we get to the section of jihad or offenses, it's in section O, these are offenses that are worthy of death. This is where the death sentence can be applied, okay? So in section O, 9.0, jihad. Jihad means to war against non-Muslims. So right there we get an idea how Islam stands. We're not going to be friends with everybody. We're not going to say that, uh, that we're pluralistic, that you got your faith and your, your rights to believe your way. No, this is, uh, uh, this is the only way. Allah is the only way. And if you don't follow our way, we have rights to fight you. That's pretty much what they're saying. So jihad means to war against non-Muslims. It is etymologically derived from the word mujahada, signifying warfare to establish the religion. And it tells us who's obligated to fight. Those, upon, uh, those called upon to perform jihad when it's a communal obligation are every able-bodied man who has reached puberty and is saint. The objectives of jihad. The caliph makes war upon Jews, Christians, and Zoroastrians. Then it quotes 
the sources of these teachings of this law. First, it will quote the Quran, and then it will quote the Prophet Muhammad. Verses that they use in their scholarly consensus, they tell us Surah 2 to 16. Finding is prescribed for you, Surah 4, 89. Slay them wherever you find them. Surah 9, 36. Fight the idolaters utterly. Then it quotes the prophet from the Sunnah. And the Sunnahs that they use will always be the Bukhari and the Muslim. These are the commonly accepted, the, the, the most um, approved scholars of the collection of the teachings of Muhammad. And uh, here's what the prophet said. I have been commanded to fight people until they testify that there is no God but Allah and that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah and perform the prayer and pay zakah. If they say it, if they say these things, the, the prayers and pay the zakah and to testify that there's no God but Allah and Muhammad is prophet, which is the shahada. If they do these things, then here's what they have saved their blood and possessions from me. So in other words, if you don't, I have the right to take your blood, take your life and your possessions. Let's get to the term apostasy. And here's what every Muslim understands. Apostasy is ridda. Ridda is the Arabic word. <clears throat> it's leaving Islam. And they call it the ugliest form of unbelief and the worst. And let me, let me uh, explain to you what they, they mean here. The word uh, kufar is the word they use for the unbeliever. It's a dirty word. It's, it kind of gives you the connotations of what, how they feel about those. See, the only thing worse than being an infidel, who, that's us who, who are non-believers, the infidel. The only thing worse than being the infidel is being a Muslim choosing to become the infidel, choosing to disbelieve and become an unbeliever. They have no tolerance for it. And here's what happens to them. Point one, when a person has reached puberty and is sane, voluntarily apostatizes from Islam, he deserves to be killed. So in other words, he is a candidate for being executed. Point two, in such a case, it's obligatory for the caliph or his representative to ask him to repent and to return to Islam. If he does, it is accepted from him. But if he refuses, he is immediately killed. Nice religion, huh? <laughs> Aren't you glad you're not born under that? I mean, you and I, <clears throat> I mean, I, I live in a country where the gospel came to my address when I was a young boy. I was born already into a Christian home, and I was raised by going to church and hearing the gospel. And at the age of five, I understood my need for uh, repentance and asking Jesus to forgive me of my sins and to, and to trust him, what he did on the cross for the salvation of my, of, of, for my soul. So I'm glad I lived in a country where the gospel was at our address. But I could have been born in a Muslim country. I could have been born to the fam family where my father was an imam, where instead of having the Bible as God's word, he had the Quran. And I could have been taught this stuff. And here's the thing. Once you're a Muslim, you're considered to be always a Muslim. Now let me read to you point four of the Sharia. There is no indemnity for killing an apostate or any expiation since it's killing someone who deserves to die. So in other words, if you kill someone who's an apostate, if you take it upon yourself, which gives them the right, every Muslim has this right, 
according to the, the Sharia. You don't have to have a judge to do it. You don't have to jury to do it. If you know this person is an apostate, you have the right to take, uh, take their life. You have you've not committed a crime because you've killed someone who deserves to die, according to the Sharia. In fact, it was the Sheikh Koridori, and I remember him saying this, my goodness, 10 years ago now at least. And I was shocked. I couldn't believe it. I thought it was one of the greatest admissions that I'd ever heard one of the highest clerics of Islam admit. He is on Al Jazeera TV in the Arabic, Al Jazeera. He is one of the most famous, he has over 60 million followers. 60 million. And he said this, and I quote, If they had gotten rid of the apostasy punishment, Islam would not, wouldn't exist today. Let me say that again. And think of this. If they'd gotten rid of the apostasy punishment, Islam wouldn't exist today. And what, what is he actually admitting? He's saying, if it weren't for this fear, that if, we, if you leave Islam, we kill you. If it weren't for that, Islam wouldn't be in existence today. So he's saying, people don't stay with Islam because they know in their heart that there's truth there. They stay with it because if they leave, they put a bullseye on their back and they're a target for being killed. Have you ever heard of honor killings? It goes on and on and on and they turn their eyes the other way. Well, folks, we need to wake up. These people need hope. They need the truth. And the good news is, is that we have the truth. It's the word of God. And God is not a God like Allah. He is a loving God who made who gave a rescue plan for their souls. It's not them earning their salvation. It's what he did for them. That's going to be it for today. Join us again tomorrow at the Corner of Truth and Courage. God bless you.